uh, just before I start, I just wanted to let you know that the Mark reading is not necessarily tied to this uh, psalm reading. We are going to be going through the book of Mark in term two, and you might remember that we began that last year, uh, Mark chapters one, two, three, four, and a little bit of five we did last year, uh, and we're going to be continuing that in term two, and I thought just leading up into two, uh, sorry, in term one, and just leading up into February, I thought we might just recap uh, where we've been. So there was the, the Mark 4, 1 to 20 reading, and we're going to be focusing today on Psalm 4. Uh, what brings you joy? An old friend of mine used to ask that. It was a beautiful, old-fashioned question. What brings you joy? And your mind goes where? Where does your mind go? Bushwalks, when someone else cooks you a meal, uh, friends, family, alone time. What brings you joy? You know, uh, the, in Psalm 4, verse 7, it says, Fill my heart with joy. There's the prayer of the psalmist, fill my heart with joy. It's, uh, the joy is the fruit of one of the fruits of the Spirit, second in line. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit are, do you remember, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Number two is, uh, is joy. It may not be a hierarchy. They may be all equal, um, but second in line to love is joy. One of the things that God wants in us is joy. But how hard is it to find and to grasp hold of? There are things that attack our joy. Um, you know, we were already reminded earlier that joy and happiness aren't the same thing. Happiness is a, is a, a fleeting, um, out external emotion. It comes and goes. When, you, when someone tells you a joke, you laugh and that moment is gone. But joy can continue through all sorts of things. Even in good times and hard times, we can have joy. I remember in uh, Sunday school when I was a kid um, being taught the joy. Do you remember this? J-O-Y, this must, I'm looking at the older generation here to fill in. J-O-Y, J-O-Y, this must surely mean Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. It rhymes, so it must be true, and, uh, and, it, and it's good. It's a, it's a lovely way of thinking that actually joy is not found in looking after me first. Joy is found in serving the Lord and loving others, and there's, there's where joy can be. I, I, I love that. I don't want to dis, dis, uh, dis, dismember this. I don't want to pull that apart. Uh, but how about this one? It's a bit clunkier. It's not as rhymy as, the, as that one, but what about joy being justified optimism yourself? It's clunky, I know. Justified optimism yourself. Optimism, let's start with that word, optimism is that, it, that it, irrespective of what you're going through, you have hope. You have something that you're looking forward to. You have an idea that this moment is not, ever, is not eternal. There's something ahead of you that will give you relief. It may not be here right now, but there is something for you. Uh, go back to justified. It's justified optimism. It's not fake optimism. It's not just wishful thinking. It's actually justified because we know the God who saves us. We know the God who created the universe. We know there's, it's based on our knowledge. And of course, yourself, well, you can't just borrow somebody else's optimism. You can't just say, well, the minister seems optimistic, so I'll be optimistic. No, we actually need to know God ourselves and find that hope, that eternal hope that comes to us through the Lord Jesus Christ, and there is our joy, even when we are going through distress, anxiety, trauma. What robs you of your joy? Friends, we do live in a very anxious society. 
very anxious society. I think Psalm 4 has been a very helpful psalm to me in the past, and I want to, I've just chosen in January to preach on Psalm 4 for you, and I don't want to give you a pat answer uh, when it comes to anxiety and stress and distress, but I'm going to give you an answer that spells out the word pat, P-A-T. It's prayer, acknowledgement, and trust. Friends, in your distress, pray. This is what Psalm 4 says. In your distress, pray. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Now, the pat answer might be just to pray. If you're, if you're worried, pray about it. And that is a bit of a, a, bit of a, a good answer, but it's, it may not seem that helpful. But have a look at what the psalm, psalm does here. It actually gives us a content of prayer. There's four things that are listed here. There's the urgency of prayer, that it's a directed prayer, uh, that's specific and it's dependent. So it's urgent. He says, answer me when I call to you. Answer me when I call to you. It's like picking up the phone and it's dialing and dialing and dialing. You want the other person at the other end to pick up. I need you to listen. I need, to pick, I need you to pick this up right now. When, you, when this psalmist is praying to God, when David is praying to God, he says, answer me when I call to you. This is urgent. I need to speak to you right now. There's something that's distressing me and I need to speak to you. It's directed, he says, uh, to my righteous God. It's to a God who he knows. He's not just speaking to the cosmos and saying, universe, could you just send me some relief? No, he's speaking directly to the God who he knows, who's revealed himself to mankind. And, it's, and he's a personal God to David, my righteous God. It's his joy that he's seeking. It's urgent, it's directed, it's specific. He says, give me relief from my distress. Here's the distress. Here's what's causing me grief. Give me relief from this. Help me to find an answer to this problem. Help, help me to know how to talk to that person in this horrible relationship. Help me to work out how to do life when money is tight right now. Come to God with the problems, not just a general prayer. Here's the Lord's Prayer. I've done that. Move on with your day. But come to the God who you know with urgency directed to him with specific things on your mind, a sick person in your life, a sense of not belonging in society. What is it that's stressing you? Bring it to God in prayer. You know, many people um, bypass or, or run away from their relationship with God because they, they think that because suffering is in my life, God must not be real. God must not be powerful. But actually, the Bible says that because God is real, then you must come to him in your time of suffering and need. He understands suffering. We know that Jesus suffered much in his life. God is not uh, alien to what we're going through. So come to him, the God you know, with urgent and specific prayer. And lastly, it's, there's a sense of dependency. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. The, David says, in effect, I'm in your hands. I know that I can get up and deal with the problem that's before me, but actually one of the most important things for me to do is to stop and pray and to come to the God who I know and speak to him right here, right now, and I just throw up a random prayer, Lord, help me, and then move on. But Lord, help me with this. This is, this is what's troubling me. And I don't know what the answer is, but I'm talking to you about it. You know, the alternative is to run around with worry and have no answers. Um, that doesn't get us anywhere. Verse 2, the psalmist 
thinks about what other people are doing. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? You know, when he says, how long will you turn my glory into shame? David's not talking about him being glorious, but he's actually talking about his God. Back in Psalm 3, the the psalm before it, Psalm 3, verse 3, he said, but you, Lord, are a shield around me. You, Lord, are my glory, the one who lifts my head high. And so now David is saying, the Lord is my shield. The Lord is my protector. The Lord is one who, who leads me and should be leading Israel. And David, look, David, the king of Israel, looks at the people and says, why are you running around like we have no God? Why are you acting like God doesn't care, like God doesn't know us? Why are you behaving like the rest of the nations? How long will you people turn the glory of God into shame, ridicule, and rather than speak to the living and true God, seek after false gods, which in our day and age could be just mortgage brokers or something like that, I don't know. Turn to the financial institution, turn to money as as our answer to everything. People will love vain things and seek out lies rather than stop and be calm and pray and talk to the God who listens. Prayer is the right response to distress. It's the right response to to distress. I was saying to um, Jill, my wife Jill, um, how nervous I am about today's sermon because I feel like a hypocrite, you know, Um, because really this is a sermon for me. How often do I forget to pray specific prayers to God? Busy being anxious about the X, Y, and Z without actually saying, but, but I believe this. I believe that God listens. Why don't I take my own recipe and follow it? Friends, we need to remember that God is a God who listens to prayer. And David, uh, David leads us to do that. Prayer comes, friends, from actually knowing God. Uh, and it takes us back to knowing God. So the second part of our answer is that in your distress, know who, uh, know who God is or acknowledge the truth about God. Truth is the best remedy. Remember the foundation that we stand on. We don't stand on sinking sand. We stand on a solid rock who is God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in verse 3, our, our NIV translations say, know that the Lord has set apart his faithful, but the original has the word but, or rather. So instead of running around like, um, like we don't have the answers, instead, know Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. But know, understand, comprehend, be assured, what is the truth? He says, the Lord, the Lord has. Uh, this, this is the, the Lord Almighty, uh, the personal name of God, Yahweh, that the Lord who has revealed himself to the nation of Israel and to all of uh, mankind now that Jesus has come, he says, set apart his, his faithful servant, but know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant. He has shown favour. He has given privilege. He's shown grace. He's already shone his face on us. God is not got his back turned to us and waiting for us to wave our hands up and down and take notice of us. God has already turned his face upon us and given us grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. We've just come out of Christmas where we celebrate the incarnate um, eternal God, that God became flesh and made his dwelling among us, the the eternal God who has been at the Father's side. We know that God has already shown favour on us. 
He set Israel, the nation, apart as a special people. He set David apart as a special um, king upon the throne of Israel. He promised to David that one day a forever king would come, and that king has come, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus said, friends, come to me. I will give you rest uh, as you enter, enter my kingdom. The kingdom of God has come near, so repent and believe and turn and be forgiven. There's a solid foundation that we can stand upon, and this is what we need to know. In our distress, remind yourself of the truth about God. In your distress, don't let the fake information dominate the real truth about the world that you live in. Here's, here's a firm foundation. It's, in, it's from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Paul says, nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. Now, there's a tautology, isn't it? His solid foundation stands firm. It's a, if it's a solid foundation, then it, by definition, stands firm. But Paul gives us this uh, overuse of, of language. God's solid foundation stands firm. It's sealed with this inscription, another language of being confident and, and unchangeable. And this is the inscription. Paul says, the Lord knows those who are his. That's solid ground foundation. When we're in our distress, don't think that God is unaware of what you're going through. But understand that God is the solid foundation. And when, he, when you turn to him in prayer, he is not thinking, oh, oh, I remember you. He's, think, he's sitting there probably thinking more like, it's about time that you came to me in prayer. I've been waiting for you to talk to me about that thing that I already know about. In verse 4, we're reminded to be still and think. Verse 4 says, tremble and do not sin. When you're on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. You know, the frantic response to anxiety and to distress and to trouble is to quickly try and fix it as, 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 as quickly as you can and often that can lead us to sin, to take shortcuts, to lie, to cheat, to borrow without asking, etc. But God says, stop and think, remember who God is, be still Breathe, be calm, and speak in your hearts and be still. There's an old hymn that goes, it is well with my soul. Irrespective of what is happening around me in this world, it is well with my soul. Is God still God? I wish I was as active as that, could run around. Um, is God still God? Yes, He's always God. He doesn't change. Has Jesus paid for your sins? Yes, that doesn't change. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter what you're going through. Jesus has died on the cross so that you can have forgiveness and eternal life and be called a child of God. Do I still have the hope of eternal life? Well, of course I do because it's not dependent on what I do. It's dependent on what God has done for me. So I do have that. All this is locked in and secure. A joy that is full and forever comes from our knowledge of who God is. Does God love me and care for me? The answer is yes. And I need to remember grace. Friends, we all, re we all need to remember grace. It's such an important concept that God loves you not because of your goodness. God loves you because of his graciousness, his mercy and his love. So when you're worrying in this world, whether you're lost beyond all repair, remember that God has saved you, has given you an eternal hope into a resurrection that can never perish, spoil or fade. So pray. 
but pray with urgency, uh, directed to the God you know, um, uh, with um, specific and dependent prayer, and remember, be still and know that, that God is God and unchanging. And the third thing, thing then is to trust. In your distress, trust. You've paused, you've talked to God, you've remembered who he is that's unchanging and, and, and has locked you in a relationship with him. And so then trust and wait on the Lord to do great things. Offer, verse 5 says, Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. In the Old Testament language, offer the, the sacrifice of the righteous. This is literally to offer sacrifices. Do all the things according to the Old Testament law that God requires of you. Just get on with that relationship with God that God instructed through Moses for you to do. Get on with that. Do those things and trust in the Lord. In New Testament language, uh, we know that when we come to Christ, we transform our minds. We, we become living sacrifices. It's our whole life that's given to God. So stop, be still, remember who you are in, in Christ. If there's anything that you have done that needs forgiving, then ask for forgiveness and know that in God's faithfulness, he will give it to you. And trust in the Lord. Hang in there. Many, in verse 6, many, Lord, are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Um, our, our anxious society is anxious because we do not know how to turn to God and trust him and trust that this, this Bible, which has been around for centuries and centuries and centuries, is greater than any worldly wisdom. Others will panic and ignore the truth. We live in a world that is ignoring the truth. There's, praise be to God that there's plenty that the Spirit is doing. There are so many Christians alive and active in our world, but if you look at the public, the common media, you'd get the impression that there's none of us around anywhere. But friends, we, we, God is still alive and active. Um, so we are to pray and to trust that the Lord is doing good. And this is what the psalm leads us to do. Many, verse 6, many, Lord, are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Uh, let the, then David prays on behalf of his community. He says, let the light of your face shine on us, even though they're being um, fickle and, uh, and running after vain things. David prays for his country. And he says, let, them, let the light of your face shine on us. And verse 7, he says, fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. That line had me puzzled for a very long time. But I think it means, fill my heart with joy, Lord, when I see you at work in the world around me. When I see, quite literally, using the, the, the it could be an analogy or it could be literal, that David says, look, everyone's panicking because it's harvest time and nothing's coming, but fill my heart with joy when I see the crops literally there. But... It seems to be a natural extension to me to fill my heart with joy, not when you give me uh, everything I want, but when I see you active in the world. I may be sitting in a dark place right now, but open my eyes to see the work that you're doing. That doesn't revolve around me, but revolves around your kingdom. Uh, we pray your kingdom come, your will be done. Do we mean that when we pray that? Or do we secretly say, your kingdom come, your will be done, as long as it really makes me feel good? Friends, uh, David says, fill my heart with joy. Do you want your heart filled with joy? Then look at what God is doing in the world around you. Look at uh, new Christian life coming into our church. Look at uh, new life entering our world. And look at the, all the goodness that God 
pours out on everybody, whether they are Christian or not. Look around you and see God at work everywhere. Did you actually cause the sun to come up today? Did you, um, you know, do you, do you cause the rivers to run into the ocean? Now, that all happens um, by the hand of God and his will. When you've come to God in prayer, acknowledge who he is, put your trust in him, breathe a deep breath, and there's one last step to do. And it's a beautiful step. The last thing is in your distress, go to sleep. Go to sleep. Verse 8 says, In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. You ever think about what you look like when you're sleeping? <laughs> you, um, you're dead to the world and you're completely vulnerable. It's very scary and, and uh, yeah, vulnerable place to be in. But we can lie down in our, be- in our beds, close our eyes and become unconscious for hopefully eight hours and know that we can wake up again and do, do tomorrow. Get up and do tomorrow. But go to bed and sleep. Get, get the rest that God has designed for you to have. A time comes, friend, when we, we literally depend on God for safety. We all have a, a, a date aligned for us in the future where you will sleep for eternity, uh, where your life, will, your life here on this earth will come to an end, and you will literally lie down and rest and sleep and give your souls into the hand of God. What gives you a great sense of joy that fills your heart is knowing that that ultimate sleep is in God's hands. And so Jesus said, why do we, why do we worry about, uh, about tomorrow? Tomorrow has enough uh, worry of its own, but today just have the bread that's on the bench, eat that, drink the, the water that comes out of your tap, give thanks to God and rest well at night. Friends, we want to we do 2024 with um, acknowledging who our great God is. Let me um, close with this word from God in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4 sums this all up so well. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, as the rest of the world does, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. But we thank God that he has given us knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And my prayer for us this year in 2024 is that we will go calmly through the year, not panicking, but loving everything that God has given to us free of charge and especially the comfort of knowing that God is God, that our sins are forgiven through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have a Christian community that is going to get busy this year making disciples. So let me uh, close the sermon in prayer. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for the gift of joy. We thank you that it is a fruit of the Spirit, that it is your will that we pursue joy. We know that happiness is, um, is great and comes and goes, and we look forward to every opportunity to laugh and be cheerful. But Father, please give us that deep joy that can only come from knowing that you are the eternal God that is always there. Please grow in us a knowledge of you that, um, that results in a deep and true trust in you. Father, in our distress, please protect us from sinning. 
But we thank you, Lord, that through Jesus Christ, you welcome us back um, every day. And Lord, we pray that uh, in 2024, you'd help us to be a people who are known and recognised for our faith and dependence on you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.